Today's reading comes from Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not for one of the least of these, you did not for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Sorry. (laughs) So today's sermon is the last of our church weekend hospitality talks. So those of you who came on the day away yesterday would have heard Pastor Hebu talking about the need for us as a church to get to know people, to host people, to show hospitality to others, and to learn from the way Jesus does evangelism. So how does Jesus um, eat with people? What does he do um, when he does that? Now, um, the chapter here is Matthew chapter uh, 25, but when, when you read the Bible, it's always good to to just um, get the context, read a little bit before, a bit after, find out who the, the passage is for, who it's specifically speaking to. So we start with Jesus actually in chapter 24, telling his disciples a number of parables. They ask him about the end times. 
And he gives them parables to remember. He gives them the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents or the, the, gold, the gold money bags. And really what he's doing is he's building up towards this parable where he sets the scene of his second coming. We start with the awesome yet terrifying picture of what's going to happen. The day of judgment Jesus tells them how he's going to come down. Jesus, the king of kings, in his glory, dazzling bright, the light of the world comes down, surrounded by all his angels, and he sits on his rightful, glorious throne, prepared to judge the righteous and the unrighteous. The final scene where everything is put right. An event of such magnitude that's never been seen before since the creation of the world. All the nations before him, every single soul will be gathered there in front of him. He gives us a picture of a shepherd separating the sheep from the goats. The good shepherd who knows all his sheep by name. He will put them on his right and the goats on his left. Verse 33. He gives us this picture, and if you look behind you, um, you'll see a picture there of goats and sheep. This is, um, yeah, they're not sheep as, as I would imagine them to be. You know, I come from Wales. I see a lot of sheep. <laughs> and also, um, some of you are from New Zealand. You see a lot of sheep, and you know what they look like. Um, but here in Hong Kong, we, we either see sheep in our freezer or on our plate. We don't really see many around anywhere else. But these sheep that we see here, they're not big balls of white, um, fluffy wool. Jesus is talking about the Middle Eastern sheep here from Israel. So these are actually sheep on this picture who graze at the bottom of Mount Ararat in modern-day Turkey. Um, and these sheep and goats are hard to tell the difference between. If you look at them, they look very similar in appearance. And even people who know their sheep will have trouble separating these sheep from the goats. And I think this is one of the reasons that Jesus uses this analogy here as he speaks to his disciples in these parables. All of the virgins who were invited to the wedding, only half of them got to be in the banquet with the bridegroom. And the servants who served at the master's house, not all of them were able to be there at the end and serve the master. And here, the sheep and the goats will be hard to separate. Jesus' main message from these parables to his disciples and to those who follow him or think they follow him is to be prepared. Because there are those who think they're okay They are amongst the sheep, they are amongst the servants, and those waiting for the wedding, for the bridegroom to return, amongst the congregation. But if you're not ready, you won't get into the wedding. You won't get into God's house in the previous parables. Now, you may be young or healthy today. You may feel invincible and under the illusion that the world goes on forever But the fact is, Jesus tells this parable exactly for this reason. 
It's for you. It's, it's for you who, who are not yet prepared. Because Jesus promises that this day is coming. He says clearly it will come this day of judgment. And if people haven't been thinking about the judgment, then they're not going to be prepared. And the fact that you're young or healthy or whatever the reason is that stops you or delays you from going to Jesus and being ready is not going to be a good enough reason on that day. If you are prepared, then he's prepared for you, it tells us in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. God is always prepared for you. He's been prepared since the creation of the world. Isn't that wonderful? For you. But are you prepared for him this morning? And here's the difficult bit. If you're not prepared, then you're going to go to a place that's not actually designed for you, we see in verse 44. They will answer, Lord, uh, sorry, in... uh, I'm on the wrong verse there. Um, yeah, verse 44, that's 41, sorry. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So we see hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. This is what Jesus tells us. It's not prepared for people. Hell is not a place where God wants you or anyone else to go. And that's why we need to heed Jesus' warning now, this morning. And be prepared for this. Be prepared for this coming judgment. Can we put this preparation off? No. Be right with God now. Be prepared. What does that look like? Well, are you sitting here today trusting solely in Jesus for your salvation? Have you asked him to forgive your sins? To send his Holy Spirit to you to help you change? And do you pray to him each day about your day? Do you go to him when you wrestle with sin? Do you ask him to help you and forgive you? Is this a relationship between you and God? Or is this you trying to earn something on your own? We know God is is prepared for us, and we can't take him by surprise. But only you can go to him today. Your friend's faith or your parent's faith in God is not yours. It's their faith. If there's a flock of sheep um, and and Jesus isn't going to go and say, oh, look, there's a family of sheep. I'll just let them in and the goats with them. This is an individual thing. Do you have a relationship with God? Is this a personal thing between you and him? Because God knows his sheep by name. Are you ready for that day? If we are ready, if we are prepared then, we need to be preparing. This might sound a bit strange, but once we're prepared for the day of judgment, when we know we're ready for Jesus to come back, we know we're right with him, but we don't then just sit around and think, well, that's great, God's done it all for me. Now I can just mind my own business and wait for God to come back. We know he's coming back, but now we use our time wisely, preparing for that day, preparing for his return. If you have someone coming over for a meal, or if you're going out for a special occasion, you get dressed up, or you buy ingredients for the meal, you you prepare the meal well, and, and you tidy up the house. 
you have a certain amount of time in life that God has given you. I have. We all have. But what do we do with our time? How we spend our time shows what we are ultimately preparing for. What's the difference between these two groups of people here? They're preparing for two different things, and they see life very differently. Verse 35 and 36. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the contrast in 42. I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Why are they doing this or not doing this? Well, what are they preparing for? The first group understand who God is and what he wants them to do. The second group, they either don't know who he is or they've chosen to ignore who he is. And so they are then their own God. They are the Lord of everything they own. The parable previous to this, the the parable of the talents or the gold coins, um, is about God as the master of the house. And he gives us certain talents or giftings, if you like. He gives us resources, uh, and he gives these to his servants, that's us. And when he comes back to his house on this day of judgment, when he comes back, he wants to know what his servants have done with those things he's given them, with the talents, with the giftings, with the resources. What have they done? How have they spent them? How have they spent their time? How have they spent the money? The picture of the day of judgment is that that, um, we are to be prepared for. We see God coming back and he's going to hold his servants accountable for all the things that they've done. It's very important to see that we're the servants here in his house and on his earth and it's God who gives us these things. Here's one of the reasons why there's such a different response between the righteous and the unrighteous in this passage. How do you see the things that you have. How do you see the things that you own? Here's what God says. You might want to uh, write some of these uh, references down so you can look them up later. Exodus 19.5 All the earth is mine. Deuteronomy 10.14 Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Job 41 verse 11, whatever is under the whole earth is mine. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. 1 Corinthians 6 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own? 1 Corinthians 7 23, you were bought with a price. 1 Timothy 6 verse 7 then. We have brought nothing into this world so we cannot take anything out of it either. God clearly says here that everything is his and the way the righteous live and show hospitality we see they clearly realize that. Everything that we have 
in this life is on loan from God. You can't take it with you. You can't take a suitcase full of your things to the day of judgment. So it makes sense, doesn't it then, to share it now. If you read through the book of Acts, then you see how the early Christians live. They know this. This is how they live. They share everything they had. This is radical hospitality. They're right with Jesus and they're prepared. And now they are also preparing for his return by serving him and by serving others. And yet this group here in verse 42 and 43. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. The whole attitude is selfish. Jesus implies that they had the means to help, but didn't. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. You had somewhere to invite me in, but you didn't. You were saving for that rainy day. You were saving for yourself, maybe that bottle of wine for a special occasion, or that spare raincoat in case the, one that, the other one you have got ripped. What are we preparing for in life? I'm not here to tell you to give it all away, but I am here to challenge you with what the scripture says from the mouth of Jesus. Everything you have is on loan from the master, from God the Father. And Jesus is coming back, and we don't know when. So be prepared and get preparing. Again, I'm not saying to just go out and be silly and give everything away. That's, that's not wise at all, is it? God's made you a steward of it. He's given it to you for a reason. And that reason is between you and God. That's something that in relationship with God, you need to work out. You are his servant, and you're responsible for what he's given you. So take care of it and use it wisely because at that end day, when Jesus comes back with all his angels in his glory, he will hold you to account for it and what you've done with it. So there's many challenges here. For one, people aren't a project for us to fix. So if we do see people in need, yes, we should help them. But don't see them as someone that you can go and fix. That's God's job, not yours. But by showing his love to them, by sharing hospitality, then they can see God's love shining through. And this brings us to the third point. Here's why God's radical hospitality. This is why we should be His hospitable in the first place. The bigger picture. We've been talking about hospitality and we come to the author of creation, the author of hospitality here. How hospitable is God? Well, he's radically so. He's amazingly so. He breathes life into us. He knits us together in our mother's womb. He gives us warmth and shelter. He gives us food to enjoy. He gives us clothes to wear. He gives us family and friends. He's made the universe to study, the world to enjoy, the diversity of animal life and plant life to explore. And he's given us a mind to digest it, to contemplate it all. He's given us community to learn with and from and to discuss it all. He's given me and you an eternal soul that we may live forever. He's given us all to enjoy this, his hospitality forever. 
See how hospitable God is. And yet, this this hospitality wasn't enough for us. It wasn't enough for mankind. It wasn't enough for me. It wasn't enough for you. Why? Because we want more. We wanted more. And we didn't want it to be God's. We want it to be ours. Yes, it's nice of God to give this to me, but it's mine now, surely, isn't it? What I have is mine. And so we throw God's hospitality in his face with our selfishness. Wanting to be like God himself. Wanting to take that place of God in our lives. We want to be the God of our own lives. So what happens when someone rejects hospitality? Well, surely you don't offer it again, do you? So now surely God will take away all that he's given us then. We've taken him for granted, everything he's given us. We've, we've wanted all that for ourselves. We've wanted to be him in our own lives. The next breath that he gives us, the next heartbeat of hospitality that he allows us. Surely God will take it all back then. But no, no, he offers me more. He offers you more. He offers us more. He offers himself. He offers me his life. What radical hospitality is this? To make up for our betrayal, for our selfishness that separates us from him, he pours out his blood for us. He's beaten and he aches for us. He gives his last breath to tell us that it's over, that it's finished, the separation is over. Come back, come and share in God's hospitality again and share it with others tell them how much it cost him show them how much it cost him and how much he's done for them how much he loves them and you this radical hospitality this amazing grace that he shows us this is the reason why we are hospitable to others this is the reason why the righteous act like they do Because they know who God is. They know of his radical hospitality for them. They see it at work in their own lives. And they go and they share it out. They just pour it out. This is what we're to do. Remember the gospel each day. And then you'll be a hospitable person. Now we see, going back, that the sheep share what they have. They do reflect God's radical hospitality to others that they've been shown by God but we know it's not their actions that saved them it's all God's hospitality it's all what God's done it's all about Jesus dying on the cross for their sin restoring them to God but they live in the knowledge of that love and their actions are a natural response as they prepare for his return it's not how much you've done or that you do that makes you a sheep or a goat It's Jesus. He's the one who transforms you. It might seem simple to a lot of you today to be hospitable. And for others it might be more difficult. But the application is to get right with Jesus now. Be prepared. Be prepared. And then once you're prepared, you'll start to see that you need to be preparing. Why? Because of God's radical hospitality. This is what it's all about. 
Once you know God's radical hospitality for yourselves, then you'll be preparing. You'll be preparing for his return. And you'll see what you have is on loan from him. So the challenge today is, why don't you try and share God's radical hospitality with others, with those around you? Why don't you invite someone round for a meal? Why don't you do something for God? We're all different. We all have different personalities and we are all created differently so we have different things to offer. Why don't you go out today and do something to show God's hospitality to others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we rejoice that you are awesomely hospitable. We thank you so much that you allow us to share in all that you've done and all that you have made. And not only that, but you pour out your life for us. You give everything. There's no one more hospitable than you. And we rejoice that we are allowed to know you, that you reach out to us with this hospitality. Lord God, I pray that everyone accepts your hospitality here today. I pray that all will be prepared for that day, that it will not be too late for anyone here. Lord God, I pray for all of us that you'd be preparing our hearts and changing us, that this hospitality that you offer would be reflected through us, that we would be able to share it with all those around us. Lord God, I pray that um, we would be good servants of, your, of you and that we would all be your sheep when you come back. And we ask this in Jesus' sovereign and wonderful name. Amen.